presence here. We thank you, Lord, that, that every time we come here, you show up. We thank you, Lord, for, for this Resurrection Sunday that we are able to, to lift you up and rejoice in everything that you do, everything that you've done, the history of everything on you is based on your birth, on your death, and on your resurrection. We thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace in our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have chosen Spirit of Grace Church, us as a family, to commune with almost every time we get together. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Taryn would never, ever tell you that I'm at a loss for words, but, you know, sometimes when you get up here, yeah, you just get to be at a loss for words. So um, as I shared with you last time I was up here, you know, if, yeah, if this gets just a little kind of off the rails or whatever, just say a prayer for me, if nothing else, because, yeah, it's just easier if th this is interactive, that's for sure. So your job, pray for me. My job, um, we'll see what happens. So, but anyway, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of, you know, have you ever heard the term passive aggressive? I may or may not be a little passive aggressive, but what I for sure am, and this may be a new term that may be coined even, but organized, unorganized, that's me. You know, I can tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. I can't fill in any details. I can tell you what I'm doing Wednesday. I'm not even going to share that with you because that I am not. Anyway, we'll keep going. <laughs> but shh, don't be telling people. That's so embarrassing. But anyway, I can tell you what I'm doing Wednesday. I can tell you what I'm doing, you know, next Sunday, you know. I will see you guys here, Lord willing, next Sunday. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know anything about it, but I'll be here, Lord willing. But I can't fill in a lot of blanks what's going to happen each and every day. And, you know, w when you come up here and, and you share what you feel God has you to share, a lot of times God gives it to me, um, you know, like 9.30 on Saturday night and... You know, that's kind of all, you know, not exciting. And sometimes, very, very rarely, God gives me something, you know, several days, even weeks in advance. And this is one of those messages. But as he did that, this young guy comes, you know, that I visit with from time to time, you know, and sometimes we even have lunch. He says to me, you know, I'm speaking a week from Sunday, and I think this was a Thursday. I need you to pray for me because God gave me a message, you know, a while back. And I'm thinking, wow, you're lucky because, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. And so I prayed for Paul, you know, for about eight or nine days, ten days, whatever. And, you know, God got, God, Paul, God, Paul. Anyway, Paul came up and, you know, just gave a, an awesome message. And, um, at that point, I knew I had a dilemma because what Paul used, and this never happens to me, but the scripture that Paul used, um, if you remember the message, 
was, you know, the Saul's conversion to Paul, and it's Acts 9. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So you gave Paul that, and you gave me this, I mean, you know, probably a couple weeks before you gave it to Paul, or a couple weeks, you know, but right in there, and you gave me the same scripture. And it's like, so now I've got this dilemma. What do I do? Because I certainly don't need to re-preach Paul's message because you know what? That was awesome, and I'm not Paul. And he's got a totally different perspective on life than I do. Um, and so I had this dilemma, but, you know, I was just too chicken to change, so you're going to hear this again. And um, so if you're saying, didn't we just hear this, you know, a few weeks back? It's like, no, you didn't. You know, because that was Paul, this is me, and they're not the same, I'll promise you. Um, also, I need to get probably right into this because from time to time, I've been known to get a little windy, and, you know, 1030 comes and goes, and I'm still up here. And I don't want to do that, you know, today for sure. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> you know, just a brief history, you know, about this guy named Saul, you know, and I don't know everything, and I'm not a Bible scholar, and I don't, you know, profess to be that. But, you know, this guy, you know, this Saul guy, you know, he was, I think, a Pharisee. He was well-educated, and it appears that he was an A personality. He was pretty driven. But also, on top of all that, it appears he was really, really connected. You know, um, and, you know, when, when we get into this, you know, you will see that this guy, you know, he, you know, he was probably not the nicest guy in the world. Um, you know, there's a lot of people like that. Um, that probably aren't the nicest guy. But you know what? One thing that we have to consider is, you know what? Who did, who chose to use him? You know, we look at, we look at so many things, and I'm just going to kind of close before I open because a lot of times I just, you know, it's easier for me to do that. But you know what? We look at so many things and so many people, and it's like, hmm, Jesus, you'd use fill in the blank. Because, you know, they're a mess. Jesus, you'd use that person. Look what they've been through. Look who they are, Jesus. And you choose to use that person. But you know what? Jesus, you know, in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite knowledge, he sees the end before he sees the beginning. And he sees, you know what? This person here, this is where they're going to go. If, if they allow me into their lives, this is their end game. You know, and, you know, each and every one of us, this is what I'm going to ask you today. And, you know, where does God want you? What does God want for your end game? Because you know what? For each and every one of us, we are a chosen vessel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants something from us. He wants to use us in a way that, you know what, he could probably not use anybody else. If nothing else, he wants to use us to reach someone 
that probably someone else couldn't reach or has chose not to reach. But as we open today, um, I'm just going to share with you, if you open your Bibles uh, to Acts 9, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And a lot of people that get up here, you know, they, uh, <laughs> they either email or they share with Elena what, you know, their scripture is, you know. I don't do that, and I'm really, really sorry, Elena, that I don't do that very well, um, but I'll be here again next Sunday, but not up here. So, but if we could just open to Acts uh, 9, and I'm just going to start in the beginning, and it says in 9 verse 1, then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that he, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into, into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Keep that in mind. Here I am, Lord. I'll give you a hint before I go any further. So if you, you know, just go back just a little bit in verse 5. Saul, you know, this really educated Pharisee, this really kind of guy that had it going. He had the ear of the high priest. He says, who are you, Lord? Ananias here I am, Lord. Who do you want to be? Who do I want to be? Who are you, Lord? Here I am, Lord. You know, I want to be. Here I am, Lord. What do you want from me? Here I am, Lord. And I probably shouldn't have stopped because when you stop like this and you try to get back on, it's not that easy. But here we go. <clears throat> Anyway, so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For he, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. 
But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name for the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me so that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent day, some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached that Christ Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. You know, what does your conversion story look like? You know, I've never been blinded. I, but in reality I have. I was blinded for a long, long time the way I lived. And Saul, you know, obviously, again, this guy's connected, you know, he had the ear of the chief priest. How many can say you have the ear of the chief priest? You know, um, that's just kind of crazy if you think about it. But, you know, in verse 1 it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. If you consider who Saul was, you know, um, you know, and I don't know the whole history, and if you need more of this, you know, read it yourself or check with Paul or Pastor Tim or... But, you know, this guy for sure, you know, he at least witnessed murders if he wasn't a murderer himself. This is who this Saul was. And he basically was, you know, busy rounding up disciples in the Jerusalem area. So, you know, and it says, you know, he was still breathing, you know, threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. Threats and murders. He wasn't just, you know... This wasn't his first day on the job. You know, he probably was probably not, you know, even though this guy was educated, even though this guy was self-righteous in his Phariseeistic mind, you know, mm, that's a message in itself. Self-righteous in my Phariseeistic mind. Ooh. Anyway, we better go on because... I don't want to go into the 1045 and then pastor's like, no, he's never done that to me. But obviously, you know what? This not passive guy, okay, he didn't have a live and let live attitude. And, you know, he's breathing threats, okay? And I can't get, um, you know, all concordancy on you here, but, you know, it says, then he went to the high priest. He went, like, up. It's like, hey, and, you know, this is out of the, you know, Randall Stephen Esparza version of the Bible, but, hey, I've taken care of all these people around here. All these followers of this Jesus that, you know, that we don't like, that Messiah, I've taken care of them all the way around here. Will you do me a favor? Could you get me some letters, okay? You know, and I want to go to Damascus. How far is Damascus? Yes, I looked it up. I can give you these, these little details like this. It's about 135 miles, okay? 
Taryn, it'd take an hour and a half for her to get there. Okay, but might take me two. I'm sorry, babe. I'm not. I'm not. I lied. <laughs> anyway, you know, but, you know, this here, I mean, on a good day, this took this guy, you know, or this could take this guy, I mean, a full day, maybe two days, maybe three days to travel there. But he's saying, you know what, high priest, I've did my job here. Now I need to go up to Damascus because you know what? What's happening up there? You know, was there like this disciple convention up in Damascus and, you know, he just felt, you know, I'm Saul of Tarsus. I'm a big deal. I'm going to go take care of this. Again, he just wasn't some little church mouse in a corner. He wasn't that guy. He's like, hey, send me. I've got people. Let me go up there. Let me take care of this. Just get me the letters so I can just walk into the synagogues and say, here, this is from the high priest. I'm Saul. I'm a big deal. That's what this guy was doing. And, and he asked for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone who were of the way, whether men or women, and Paul brought that out so blatantly in his message, just wasn't, you know, men he was looking for. A lot of times, you know, in God's word it says men. But this is men or women. And it says, you know, that he might bring them back bound to Jerusalem. You have to insert yourself right here in this story, okay? You have this Messiah movement, and this guy comes, and he's performing miracles. You know, he's, you know, healing people. He gets crucified. You know, there are rumors that he rose again from the dead, and then this whole movement following him. Saul obviously, you know, didn't believe in this movement. And he had a reputation among his people that, you know what, I, you know, am kind of a big deal. I'm smart. You know, I know what's going on here. I'm a Pharisee. Because, again, he just walked in and he got, you know, this letter. It, it appears he got this letter because in verse 3, it reads, or these letters, as he journeyed around 135 miles, he came near Damascus. Suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Think about that. So, as he journeyed, suddenly a light shone. But you know what? It doesn't say that, you know what, as he just started out. It says, as he got near Damascus. So, you know, there's been a little time here where he's saying, you know what? He's making a plan with his fellas. It's like, here's what we're going to do first. We're going to... We're going to this synagogue, and, you know, yeah, I've met this, you know, priest before, and you should see this letter the high priest gave me for this guy. We're going to that synagogue next. We're going to go do that. I don't know how many people were in Damascus. I should have looked that up so I could have had that for you. But you know what? There was more than one synagogue. And they weren't just talking about the pretty flowers, I doubt, on the sides of the road on their way up, on their donkeys or you know, maybe they had horses. I'm not sure what they were doing at that point. But, you know, they probably weren't talking about that. They were probably making plans. You know, if you are sent on some sort of a mission, you know, whatever it may be, you're planning. 
they probably had a plan before they left, but they were probably like, yeah, we're close now. We're really close. We're going to get into this. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, a lot of times when we have that, you know, the more we talk about it, the more confidence we gain in what we're going to do. And I believe that Saul, at this point, going to Damascus with his posse, you know, they had some successes because they weren't going from Jerusalem. They weren't going there um, because, yeah, we failed and we didn't round up the disciples in Jerusalem. So, you know, now we're going to Damascus. They probably had some success in Jerusalem before they went. Confidence. This guy was, in my opinion, a confident guy. You know, even at, you know, this early stage of his ministry. But, you know, they go and, you know, they, they journey this 135 miles. And then getting near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Okay, so if you're on your way to Duluth, 135 miles or so, and this huge, crazy, crazy bright light, you know, shows up, you know, you might be a little more spiritual than I am, but, you know, I wouldn't think if this insane, massive, bright light shows up that it's from heaven. I'm thinking, you know what? This is not good. What's this crazy, crazy, crazy light? And I don't even know how bright it was, but it was obviously a massive, massive bright light. Then he fell to the ground. Okay, so this crazy bright light. So he's talking to his boys. Here's what we're doing. Because he was probably obviously in charge. Because, you know, he doesn't seem like a guy that's like, hey, I'm going to defer to you. You know? He was like, hey, this is what we're doing. And, you know, then this light shines. You got to pray for me. Remember that part. But then this, you know, bright light shows up. And then he falls to the ground. Have you had your thrown to the ground or fall to the ground moment yet? Have you had that? I've had my thrown or fall to the ground moment. I've had it. And what I will share with you is the Lord Jesus Christ and his infinite wisdom. You know, let me stay there for a little bit. It wasn't like, hmm, you know, I'm just going to pick Randall Stephen Esparza. And I, you know what? I'm just going to, boom, you're well now. Wasn't that way. That would have been kind of nice, and maybe I kind of thought that, but, you know, because, you know, I'm this organized, unorganized, optimistic, pessimistic type guy, but, you know, that would have been nice, but it didn't really happen that way for me. But you know what? Jesus, on the way to Damascus, when he's talking to his fellas, or uh, Saul on his way to Damascus, when he's talking to his fellas, falls down on the ground. And, you know, then he hears a voice, you know, and, you know, you can listen to a lot of, you know, people that, you know, try to do the voice of God. And, you know, so when I read it, you know, it's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, you know, so this is a little off topic, but, you know, I mean, you know, when you study for this stuff, you kind of got to humor yourself a little bit. You know, I do anyway. But, you know, so then I'm thinking about this, and it's like, how would you say it if you were Jesus? 
And, you know, I probably just wouldn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'd say, Saul, remember me? Jesus. Remember a couple chapters back? You were there when Stephen died? How's that working out for his family? How are you doing with that? You feel any guilt? So what would, you know, Randall do if he were Jesus? Probably toss his thumb and put it right on Saul a little bit, just for the fun of it, just so he'd know, you know what? I'm in control. Oh, Lord. You know, Jesus places each and every one of us in a place to thrive. But also Jesus places us, each and every one of us, in a place where, you know what? We don't get too big for ourselves. You know, Jesus wants us where he wants us. Jesus wants us to stay in our lane. And Jesus wants us to submit ourselves to him, more so than anything. That's what he wants. And, you know, every time I get up here, you know, and I'm going to do it again just because, you know what? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be part of this church body because, you know what? Jesus, every week, Jesus comes to commune with us. Jesus does that, and he has chosen and I'm going to say this again and again. He has chosen Spirit of Grace Church to commune with. He has chosen Spirit of Grace Church as a body of Christ. Because we're perfect? Most certainly not. Because he wants us to go in the right direction? Most certainly. Is he, you know, like <clears throat> chipping the scales from our face and our eyes and our bodies? Most certainly. Is it easy? No. But you know what? God says, you know what? I want to work with this body of Christ. And I'm so thankful he chose us because he doesn't have to. We serve an awesome, awesome God. And, you know, what he wants from each and every one of us is to have this conversion. You know, and what does your conversion look like? What does your conversion look like? Saul, you know, he probably didn't listen to Jesus a, a whole lot. He didn't even believe in Jesus, so he didn't listen to Jesus. But you know what? He had all of his, his, you know, his education. He had it. He knew it all. You know, I don't know about you, but there's certain people in this room that, you know what? They had it, and they knew it all. I still have it, and I still know it all. Just ask me. But you know what? Jesus, no matter who we are, understands our strengths, our weaknesses. And in his grace and in his mercy, he allows us. He allows us to serve him. You don't have to look any further than this story. So if I don't get back to this, read this story because you know what? Jesus uses, I mean, Jesus uses us. If we allow him to use us, he'll use us. And Paul is probably, you know, the, you know, the most well-known, you know, sinner that Jesus used. 
But anyway, back to uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are we lying on the ground? And he said again, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Saul didn't know the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bright light, fall, bright light falls to the ground, and the question, Saul, why are you persecuting me? All the confidence that he has gained has gone in, you know, in an instant. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting me. Whom I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting me. Very simple. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. You know, that's it. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. That's all he said. What's he doing here? In my opinion, he's letting Saul think about, let, let this just sink in, Saul. I am Jesus. That's who you're persecuting. You know, you're rounding up all these disciples. You're kind of a regional big deal, you know, and you're persecuting me. You know, the men, the women that you've rounded up, yeah, you know, that's part of it. But you know what? You're hurting them, but really you're persecuting me. Have you ever persecuted our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever not been obedient to Jesus Christ? We may not go out and say, yeah, you know, I don't like this movement. I don't, you know, like people that follow Jesus. We may not be that. But you know what? On the other side, you know what? If we're not obedient to God, we're not serving him as he would want us to. So, you know, each and every one of us, we have, you know, a little growth that we could do. And <clears throat> then he says... So he, trem so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? If you've been on the ground before, if you've been on the bottom, and it's like, wow, bright light, thrown to the ground, Jesus talks to you, what do you want me to do? What did it take for me to get onto the ground and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? You know, what it took for me is different than what it was for you, is different than what it was for someone else. But, you know, it took for me day after day after day after day of not living for him, using drugs and alcohol. Day after day. And clouding my judgment, clouding the way I think, because I used every day. That's what it took for me. And it took for me, you know, this guy that I still talk to today, yelling at me because I made a mistake at work. Yelling at me. I didn't mean to do it, but I did. 
and he yelled at me, and it's like, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, so, and I don't want this to be about me, but I guess I get, have to, I'm too far in to stop at this point. But so I, you know, basically took this vehicle from work, which was okay, that was fine, and I took this piece of carpet from work, and that was fine if I would have told him. And I was going to tell him, but I didn't tell him, so, you know, that became an issue. And I wasn't going to steal it, but I just didn't tell him yet. And I, and I had been up all night using it. I don't want to get into, I don't want to glorify drugs, don't want to glorify alcohol, because you know what? That's not what it's about. But I had been up all night using, and this guy calls me into his office, and it's like, what's up? Why did you take that carpet? It's like, you know, and he's kind of, you know, giving me the what for, which I deserved. And I'm just sitting there. Whoops, sorry. And I'm just sitting there. And did, I don't even think I answered him. And it's like I just started crying. And this is like at 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Actually, it was September 13th, 1986. And I just start crying. And it's like, okay, you know, this guy didn't, you know, commit murder. And now he's crying in my office. I can just see this. And the guy looks. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, I can't do this anymore. And this guy was, you know, basically sober and... You know, so he had a little bit of wisdom, and he says, you can't do what anymore? And he knew, you know, I mean, we all think, you know, we put our game face on. <laughs> we put our game face on. Yeah, I'm perfect. Just ask me, because I'm, I'm that perfect person, right? People know. People know. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. Well, what can't you do anymore? You know, I can't do drugs. I can't do alcohol anymore. And... Again, I, that was my road to Damascus moment. And, you know, so this guy, you know, that I'm with, it's like, wow, I didn't really sign up for some guy crying in my office today. But, you know, this guy allowed me, this guy allowed me to, you know, get lifted back up. And you know what? Sometime, okay, Someone may fall right in front of you. Someone's Damascus moment may be right in front of you. And you know what? God may be asking you, you know what? You know, I'm up here and I can't lift him up. That's what I got you for. Jesus may want you to lift someone up on their road to Damascus. You know, Saul, he had people. He had fellas with him. They were talking about it. They were planning all this. The light shows, if you look at it, um, you know, so what do you want me to do? He says, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And it says, um, the men who journeyed with him stood. They didn't fall onto the ground. They were standing. They stood speechless. It's like, wow, what are we seeing? You know, so it appears that Saul was the only one on the ground. And then it says, then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was with, and he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. You know, sometimes, you know what, someone that you're, that God puts you in front of is going to be blind and you're going to have to help them. Hey, can I get you to Damascus? 
I'll share one more thing with you. You know what? Those guys that helped him, those guys, they probably weren't, you know, the disciples of Jesus. They probably thought the exact same way that Saul thought. You know what? These followers of Jesus, you know, we got to get rid of them. So God, in his infinite wisdom, may choose to use you even if you're not ready. Has God ever chose to use you when you're not ready? Oh, my gosh. And it's like, Jesus, I can't do that. <laughs> nope, not doing that, because guess what, Jesus? I'm a mess. I know, Randall, you're a big mess. Every day. Every day. But you know what? God, he's saying, you know what? I know you're a mess. I don't really care about the mess. We'll deal with your mess along the way. If you allow me to, I'm going to deal with your mess. I'm going to, you know, change you. But you know what? I need you right now in the middle of your mess to go help someone else. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we serve that wants us to submit our, our lives and our hearts and ourselves to him. And you know what? So, you know, they take blind Saul, and it's like, here, let's get you to Damascus. It's like, so they do that, and then, you know, oh. and then he goes, you know, you have to consider where Saul is right now. It's like, I've got a few issues. Okay, so this bright light, this is scary. You know, fall to the ground. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm somebody. Jesus talks to me. That's scary in itself. Was it really Jesus? I'm blind. I've got problems here. I don't believe in Jesus, but you know what? I need to figure this out. I mean, could you imagine if you were blind? Okay, if this happened to you, how nervous would you get? What would you resort to? What would you resort to? Because you know what? At that point, okay, this guy, it's like, I've got problems. And this guy, I mean, by all appearances, I mean, he was somebody. But for three days and three nights, I mean, if I were blind, I'd be thinking, you know what? I want to go home. I want to go to someplace, Damascus, and stay somewhere where I probably have never been before. I want to be in the comfort of my own home. I'm scared. Have you ever been scared about the place you were in? Have you ever been scared to where, you know what? I don't have it all together. I need somebody to help me. And if you're blind, you know, if Jesus blinded you, and I don't even want to talk about the physical blind, but if you're blind, each and every one of us have been blinded. Each and every one of us have been blinded. And Jesus, Jesus wants us to do exactly what this, you know, Pharisee did. He wants us to come to him. And it says three days. What does your resurrection like look like? What does that look like? Three days, this guy, uh, <clears throat> Prayed, fasted, didn't eat or didn't drink. Three days. 
then comes this guy. And it says in verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Again, as I said earlier, you know what? I want to be able to say, if the voice of the, our Lord Jesus Christ comes to me, I want to be able to say, here I am, Lord. You know what? I know your voice. I know. I don't want to be like, hey, who are you? Sometimes, I'm, you know, it's like, did you just give me that, Jesus? Is that really what you gave me? But you know what? God wants us to know him well enough to be able to say, you know what? Here I am, Lord, the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need to practice listening for that. I need to practice trying to find out where he's at and draw closer to him. But Ananias says, here I am, Lord. Has the Lord ever called on you? Has the Lord ever called on you? Because you know what? He wants to be able to call on each and every one of us. And how do you want to be able to answer? Here I am, Lord. This is probably my favorite part of it. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. This is really sick, but I just love this part. And the reason I love this part is like, Okay, so back in the Bible days, they named their streets. In Mane Diero, Baja, California, Mexico, they still don't name their streets because, you know, the post office would never get there. Nothing would ever get there anyway. But we live in a world right now where they still don't even name their streets. And back in the day in Damascus, they named their street. Just, I don't know, run with me there, but kind of exciting but you know so he says arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Tarsus for behold he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight so there's a lot going on there Okay, so, yeah, here's what I need you to do. This is a whole conversation between, you know, Jesus and Ananias. It's like, hey, this is what I need you to do. I need you to, you know, you know where Straight Street is. You live here, you know. I need you to go over there, and I need you to go talk to Ananias or talk to uh, Saul. I need you to go over there. He's praying right now. It's like. Okay, so Ananias is obviously listening. It doesn't say that Jesus, you know, and Saul, and Saul had this little conversation about what was going on, but obviously he knew. You know what? No, he's praying right now. He's praying. Again, Saul was, ner Saul was nervous. And this is another part that I like. In the middle of this, Ananias answers, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This is proof. This is proof that, you know what? He already had a reputation in Jerusalem. Now he's going to Damascus.
okay. You know, word gets out. You're good, word gets out. You're bad, word gets out. Word was out on Saul that, you know what? I don't want to go mess with this guy. Nope. You know, he got the letter. He got the letter from the high priest, and he's coming here to round people like me up, and you want me to go talk to this guy. This is how I'd talk. Ananias, it appears, was probably a much better guy. But, you know, have you ever had the conversation with Jesus? Are you serious you want me to go do this? I mean, do you want me to do that? Because I'm not down with that one, you know. I'll go to church on Sunday. I'm going to give my, you know, 10%. I'm down with that, you know. I'm going to feel your presence there. I'm going to do that. But, yeah, don't be asking me to go to some guy that doesn't like people like me. I'm not down with that one. You know, if we serve our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to be all, you know, lovey, dovey, easy, funny, you know. It ain't going to be that way. There's going to be things that we're going to have to do that it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't really want to do that. Um, why don't you send Travis for that one, okay? He's buff. I'm old. I'm your elder. Quit laughing. But, yeah, just send Travis on that one because I'm not down with that. You know, he knows how to talk to tough guys. He's a tough guy himself. I'm not your guy. Hmm. Jesus is going to put people in your life that he wants you to touch, that he wants you to minister to, that he wants to minister to through you. That's how he works. And, you know, you may not want to visit with that guy, you know. They may not be your, you know, they may not run in your circles. They may not be the one that you think you should be dealing with. Jesus, send me to the guy that's just ready to say, hey, come pick me up and bring me to church. I'm down with that one. This guy... Ananias, yeah, this guy's got a reputation. Not interested. Check with me next week on someone else. Oh, my gosh. That's all fun. Paul said this, too, and this is so true. Jesus isn't bound by your expectations. Jesus isn't bound by your expectations. Jesus isn't bound by your agenda. What Jesus wants from each and every one of us is for us to be obedient to his agenda. That's what Jesus wants. Have you ever given Jesus a little pushback? Yeah, Jesus, um, I'm in charge now. Not doing it. Have a good day. We'll talk to you Sunday. got a few things to do between now and then so I'll check in with you when I can it'll be good for both of us just saying that's how I am sometimes and he still loves me and he still loves me oh my gosh 
you could just, I mean, sometimes I don't even like what's up here. And he still loves me. 99% of you are never, ever, ever going to know what's up here. I'll promise you, okay? Taryn has to see it sometimes and, you know, she says, Jesus, do I really, you want me to deal with that guy? Way too late. Pray for her, please. But the Lord, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. No, you got to go, because you know what? I know that he was at least there when Stephen died. Jesus knows if he, throws, if he threw a rock. I don't know. doesn't say if he threw a rock or a stone. But Jesus knows if he threw a stone that day. Have you ever thrown a stone? Go, because you know what? That guy, you know, that was there when Stephen died, that guy that was all around Jerusalem rounding up my disciples and sending him to prison, yeah, that's the guy that I'm going to use. That's the guy that I'm going to use. Ananias, sorry, this is my show, not yours. You know, so many times we think this is the Randall Stephen Esparza show, and it ain't. Fun, 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 fun. You know what? Jesus, Jesus wants us to be open to go minister to where he wants us to be open to because we don't know. God, how could you ever use that person? I mean, look at me. I even showered today. I get why you can use me, but how could you use that person? They're a mess. Oh, my gosh. And did you remember and did you look at yourself when you were that way? You were worse. You know, we can look and we can say, you know what? I've got it all together. I'm somebody. Just ask me. But you know what? Jesus has seen us through each and every part of our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes when we think we're good, we're actually still in the ugly stage. Good is ugly? No. But you know what? Jesus says, you know what? That's the guy I want to use to the Gentiles, to the kings, and the children of Israel. God knows who he wants to use us with. God knows who he wants you to touch. You know what? He didn't call me to go to the kings. He didn't call me to say, hey, high priest, guess what? You know these letters you gave me? There they are. Have a good day with them, because guess what? On the way there to, like, you know, put people in prison, Jesus, Jesus, on the road to Damascus, decided, you know what, I want to use you. High priest, you need to understand this. You need to understand this, high priest. Jesus wants your soul too. You know, Jesus wants each and every soul. I hate to tell you this, but if you're here right now, Jesus wants your soul. He has chosen you. He has chosen you. It doesn't matter where you're at. It, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you've been. Jesus wants you. And you know what? Bottom line, he wants a conversion. 
He just doesn't want you to come here Sunday, sing three songs with the praise and worship team, and say to Trisha, hey, maybe you should put me up there. I'm a good singer. I've never done that. I know my place. Jesus doesn't want me on the praise and worship team. He doesn't want me there. I'll promise you that. See, I'm a perfect Christian. I know where he wants me. Not up here. <laughs> so, you know, when you guys are singing today, just sing loud because it drowns. And it's not just me. I mean, you know, admit to yourself, it drowns the rest of us maybe without a good voice. It drowns us out. So sing loud today. Oh, boy. Why did I have to say that? I don't know. Please forgive me. But you know what? You know, he says, I, I'm not into that. No, he's my chosen vessel. You know what? I want him. You need to go help him. You need to go help him because you know what? We never know who Jesus puts in, in, in our path. You know, Ananias, obviously a man of God, obviously a disciple, obviously giving Jesus a pushback. And he's saying, ah, I'm not into that Paul guy. Go send someone else. Well, the Paul guy, he wrote most of the books of the New Testament. And then, you know, so have you ever done this? Yeah, Jesus, I'm giving you a pushback. Okay, I'll go do it. Have you ever done that to your wife or your husband? It's like, hey, could you do this for me? Nope, not doing it. Nope. Then you're on your way to the store. Timberwolves are on. Did you need this right now? Have you ever done that? Not doing it. But Ananias does it anyway. You know what? I'll do this, Jesus. Yeah, He's at least, you know, takes disciples, guys like me, to prison. But I'm going anyway. I hope you're happy with yourself, Jesus, because I don't want to be in this position. But Jesus wants Ananias to go talk to this guy. And so he goes to Straight Street, and he enters the house. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus Christ, who appeared to you on the road, as you came, has sent me so that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't want to come here, Saul. Didn't want to do it because you're kind of a jerk. But you know what? Jesus sent me, so I'm doing it. Jesus sent me, so this is what I'm doing. I'm going to lay hands on you, so don't, like, chop it off or have your posse do it. Because all I'm doing is what Jesus told me. Not here because I like you. But you know what? He lays hands on him, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. What kind of a God do we serve? Oh, let's see. Yep, you're rounding people up in prison. If I'm Jesus at this point, Saul on the road to Damascus, hey, Saul, you're going to get more of my prisoners? Yeah, sorry about your luck. You're done. Have a good day. Hope your posse can bury you, because I'm done with you. That's kind of how we are sometimes. I am so done with you. I am so done with you. That's it. You've crossed the line. Jesus, no, 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 no. I've got this whole plan for that guy. I mean, I've got this whole plan that history is going to change because of him. History can change because of what you, because of how you are obedient to Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. History can change. Saul, not interested in it, but history is changing. And so 
you know what? The scales fell off, and it's 1028, and I'm going to be really good today, so I'm going to finish by 1032 and 35 seconds. But anyway, so he arose, and he was baptized, and immediately the scales came out of, off of his eyes. So when he received food and was strengthened, Saul spent some days with the disciples. Can you imagine? Okay, so... Okay, so Ananias probably paved the way. Hey, this is what happened. Jesus came to me. I said, yeah, what do you need, Jesus? Um, so, yeah, go to Straight Street, do this for me. So I did it. And so you know that guy that was going to come and, like, put us in prison, bring us back to Jerusalem? He's converted. I mean, if I'm one of the disciples hanging out in Damascus, I'm saying, right, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. He was around murders, you know, Jerusalem, there's no disciples except the ones in prison. He's converted, right. But you know what? Then it says that Saul spent some time with the disciples. We have to be. Jesus wants us to be open. It's like, I don't really like that person. Doesn't matter. You know what? He's mine. Spend time with them. Minister to them. Because you know what? I've got a plan for her. I've got a plan for him. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to do. Because you know what? You're part of someone else's conversion. You are part of someone else's conversion. And Jesus wants each and every one of us, you know, as a family, as a body of Christ, to play our part. So you know what? When that person comes in, it's like, yeah, I knew them from back in the hood. Doesn't matter. You know what? Praise be to God that they're here. Praise be to God that they're here. I'm just going to share this with you. You know, our church got vandalized. That person walks in here that did that. You know what? Jesus wants us to minister to them. That's what he wants from us. And it's like, eh, they're kind of crazy. Yeah, so were you. Sorry about your luck, but you were kind of crazy too. Remember? No, don't want to remember that. Don't want to remember that. But you were. Sorry. No, I'm not. It's 1031. I need to close. But then the last verse, it says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. So this guy, he starts from keeping people from spreading the gospel. Hey, don't talk about him. I, I know the high priest. You're going to jail if you talk to, about him again. I can do that. I've got the power from that to, hey, you know what? He's the son of Christ. Let me spread this all over, nation upon nation upon nation, synagogue upon synagogue upon synagogue. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. That's what our God wants us to do with each and every one of us, is he wants to convert us to who he wants us, to how he wants us to be used so we can spread the gospel to others. And anyway, I love you, my church family. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, if you hop up, you know, right now, um, someone may steal your seat. You just got to put your game face on.